0: You're listening to sermon audio from Ankeny Free Church in Ankeny, Iowa, a community in Christ on a mission to reach our community for Christ. To learn more, head over to AnkenyFree.Church. Join us as we continue in our sermon series, 18 Summers The Proverbs of Solomon. Hey, good morning. My name is Sodom, one of the pastors here at Ankeny Free Church. Glad to have you with us. It's just good to be here together to worship the Lord, to enjoy fellowship with one another, to um, listen to God's truth. So it's just exciting um, to be able to be here with you guys. Before we dive into our passage today, I want to let you guys know that we are having a baptism on Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday it's an exciting time so if you have trusted in the Lord Jesus and have not been baptized feel free to check baptism on your communication card or reach out to myself to JD to Judy Collier we'd be more than happy to talk to you about that it's important uh, at the Jesus's last words in the book of Matthew are go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when you just look at the first part of the Great Commission, which is what we are to be about as a church, they mention baptism. You know, it's this picture of us being buried with Christ and then us rising again to this resurrection life. If you have questions about that, we would love to help you. Just simply reach out. We are in the middle of a series called 18 Summers. I'm sure you guys have seen the little kind of logo there with the 18 Summers. You're wondering maybe what is 18 Summers? It's Proverbs is a book that is a, written from a father to a son. And we wanted to capture that brief window that if you are a parent, you have when kids are living under your roof, where you have an opportunity to influence them in a particular way. That time is short. For most, you get 18 years. So 18 summers worth of focus there for your kids on their life. Of course, there's more to that than just the summers, and God's Word is good for all of us. We are in the middle of this journey, then, through the first nine chapters— And as we look at our passage today, we will be talking about the future. The future. Wouldn't it be great if you knew the future? Oh, the choices you would make today if you knew what was happening tomorrow. And I'm sure many of you have thought about things you would have done differently in the past had you known what you now know. I have that feeling when I was a kid I would get toys and I would like a moron open them up and play with them with my friends had I known that if I would have just kept them in the box and sold them to my friends and other people decades later I would have made so much money but like a fool I just played with them with other people, if I'd only known, if I'd only known, maybe bought two, right, if I'd only known. Well, I think that in many ways, if we knew what we knew now, looking ahead, maybe we'd do things differently. And there's some ways that we learn these things, right? One is called experience. You kind of walk through life, and we pay dumb tax, Uh, Daniel Pink, in his book, The Power of Regret, says this, though. He says, if feelings help our thinking, and if our thinking then leads to doing, then regret can make our life better. As long as it doesn't plummet us into shame, we can learn from our past mistakes. But there is even a better way. And that is that we take God at His word... And we trust him that what he says about the future will happen. Well, we have a passage here today that talks about choices that we make now that will affect our future, in fact, lead us to a better future. And so we need to choose today what will help us tomorrow. Now, before we look at our passage here in chapter 6, let me explain what's going to happen next week. Next week, we are going to look at what's called Lecture 9 and Lecture 10. There are 10 lectures that the father gives to the son here in the book of Proverbs. Lectures 9 and 10 follow the same lecture that we heard last week with J.D. It's about adultery. So adultery, adultery, adultery. And it's a lot. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read Chapter 7 and apply the second half of Chapter 6 To chapter 7. This will all make sense if you read it beforehand. So I'm just asking you to read ahead beforehand. I think we even made a little note on what it is. If you read the end of chapter 6 and all of chapter 7 beforehand, you will be set up for Sunday morning service next week. But that's not our passage now. And so without further ado, let us dig into this. If you would please stand. There's going to be a lot of advice given, but of anything that we should truly listen to, it's what is about to be said now. My son, if you have been put up, if you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger, if you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself. For you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Do, give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with perverted heart devises evil, and continually sowing discord. Therefore, calamity will come upon him suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Let us pray. Father, we desperately want to know what to do today so that our tomorrow might be better. So, Lord, I would... I would ask that you would speak to us and that your voice would be louder than all the other voices of advice that we are getting, wanted or not. And I pray during this time that you would speak to us, that you would use me or work in spite of me. But it would be your words, O Lord, delivered to us by your Spirit in order that we might become more and more like your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So yeah, choose today what will help tomorrow. Choose today what will help tomorrow. We're going to look at three areas here in our passage where choosing today will help you tomorrow. And our first area is in the area of debt, in the area of debt. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about money matters, has a lot to say about debt. I encourage you to do a more robust Bible study in order to better understand that. The Bible also has a lot to say about helping the needy and the poor and being gracious and generous. And I pray that you would also read all that there is to be said about that as well. This passage Talks about something that's quite narrow, quite narrow in its scope. And that is this. It is about giving a pledge for someone else. So this is about taking on someone else's debt. Now, why would you do that? Well, this is like what we would call co signing a loan or You know, joining someone else and taking on a particular note. There may be some reasons that you would do that. You know, parents may be trying to help their kids get a good start. They won't get a loan without you co-signing it. But I think the heart of what's going on in this passage is someone that does this, maybe out of concern or pity, they're moved by someone else's pain and they want to help that person in their pain. And so in order to help them, they feel like they need to co-sign this loan that they are going after. And what will happen here is you will be trapped. And you will ultimately, most likely, be bearing the burden of that debt. The comparison here is like being an animal that is snared or caught and i have never hunted gazelle by driving them into a stone enclosure which is probably what they're talking about in verse 5 and i've never hunted birds by trying to ensnare them but i grew up in rural northwestern missouri and so i've seen animals get trapped so we grew up in the country and my dad would plant plant sweet corn. And one year, the raccoons were getting into the sweet corn. And so he called up my friend, Michael Fisher. And Michael came out and he brought his traps, these cages that would trap the raccoons in it. And I don't know if you have ever seen a raccoon that has been trapped in a small cage, but the sounds and the sights are disturbing. This is a ferocious creature And they want out. And the reason they want out of this trap is because they don't see a ton of good options as to what's going to happen next. Just like that raccoon. That's where we're at. If you engage in co-signing there here for a neighbor or stranger or, or someone else a particular debt. Now, Maybe a good tip here, especially since a lot of these are driven maybe by emotion or pain or a desire to do good and want to help or, or maybe even to not being able to see clearly, unless you are an individual that because of your financial life you, you take on debt to people and somehow work your financial magic that that somehow generates money for you. If you're like most of us, what you need Is probably a good friend that can give some outside advice. A good friend that can give some outside advice. Someone that can say, maybe explain to me again what's going on here. (laughs) Help me understand. Because oftentimes, not only is this a bad decision for you, it's probably a bad decision for them. And there's a failure to see that there's probably some other options. Our church, we try to help out regularly those in the community, and people call in, and this is work that's done by our elders, and our elders, each of them leads a community group. And so one time this person calls in, and they were having some car problems, and their their solution was to get another car, which meant for them getting a loan, and they couldn't get the loan themselves and so the call was is anyone in the church able to co-sign for a loan of course I said no but I thought this is an opportunity to be able to be helpful and so I asked one of the elders and they um, got someone from their community group to go with and they went out and helped this person and it wound up that they were able to have a functioning car at the end of the day with no new note signed by anybody there's usually other ways and it requires wisdom because oftentimes you're just you're so trapped that all you see is one way out when usually there's other ways out as well. And so if you want to have a better tomorrow and not be broke, be wary, be very cautious, be extraordinarily hesitant to co-sign another note for somebody. It is like you're the raccoon walking into the trap just hoping whoever comes to get the trap will let you out nicely. Second, laziness. Laziness. Verse 6. Go to the ant, O oh sluggard. So, you have the choice here of what kind of insect you want to be, right? You can be an ant that maybe, you know, whatever little brain cells they have are working hard and thinking of the future, or you could be a slug, I guess technically not an insect, but a creepy crawly creature that just kind of oozes along and just goes about very slowly wherever they go. And here they're encouraging you to be the ant If you're not like the ant, what will happen to you is you will be robbed. And you won't be robbed by a person. You'll be robbed by yourself or by this thing called poverty and want. They will come upon you late at night and you will be undone. The issue here is, is to be prepared and not be lazy. To think now of what needs to happen in the future. And we live in Iowa and even though today is a nice day, I, I sometimes am shocked that there's any creatures that come around in the spring. I mean, it is so cold in the winter and the snow can be so thick. It's, I mean, it's miraculous to me that any creature is able to endure that. And yet there's a whole host of creatures that are able to walk through the winters. They're able to navigate that. And it's because whether however much intelligence they have, they know they need to prepare for what's coming. Likewise, we need to do that as well. Now, when we talk about preparing and we most, you know, here focus on hard work, um, I, I know that the Bible has a lot to say about work and rest and the idolatry of work. So again, read through the entirety of Scripture to get a very balanced perspective on all of that. There are ways that I think that we try to pursue rest, but maybe they don't really do what we think they do. You know, four to five hours of screen time a day and, you know, 20 plus hours of video games probably doesn't lead to the rest we think that it will. And so we don't want to delude ourselves in thinking that something is going to lead to something that it really doesn't. And I think that's wise when it comes to thinking about what it means to not be lazy but if we really think about some of the issues that we come about, I think there's a key point here for our parents. And so our parenting point is teach your kids to work hard. Teach your kids to work hard. So if you are a parent, you need to teach your kids to work hard. There's a saying, kind of an old kind of non-Bible proverb, but I think it fits rather nicely. Prepare your child for the path, not the path for your child. Let me say that again. Prepare your child for the path, not your path for the child. There is a tendency to want to clear the way so that your children will encounter no difficulties and no suffering. You solve all their problems. You do everything for them. Don't do that. Instead, prepare your child to be able to navigate the path. I was driving in my car years ago, and this radio program was talking about success. Now, it wasn't a Christian program, but I thought what they said was very interesting. And then in the program, they said that they can point out success down to two key factors. There's two key factors that are the strongest determiners of whether someone would be successful. The first... Do you have successful parents? <laughs> well, that's not so helpful, you know. If you're, you don't really get to choose your, you know, the family that you're born into. Maybe that speaks well, like, you know, if you're a parent, you got to get your act together. But I think for for some, for most of us, we're like, well, I, well, I want to be successful in life. That doesn't help me so much. The second is though in our control, and that is work hard. The ability to work hard. I. Let me tell you the story of two people. The first is this guy named Ben. Ben was very bright. Ben did very well in high school. He wound up being valedictorian, but it required no work for Ben to do that. When Ben went off to college, though, he wasn't a partier. He probably played a decent amount of video games, but You know, didn't get caught up in a lot of things, didn't have some girlfriend or whatever. I mean, just, he was just there. And after his first semester, he was on academic probation. And on his second semester, he was asked to leave the university. You see, Ben did not know how to work hard. There's another guy. And his name is Eric. And Eric was a solid student in high school. Not the top But Eric worked hard in high school. He put forth effort. And when Eric went to college, he was on the dean's list every single semester. And I don't know what you think would be the best determiner of success in college. But based on my very small sample size of two guys I know, I would pick The solid student that knew how to work hard versus the valedictorian who didn't. Work hard, work hard. I love our girls, and, and they do really well. And so, you know, as a parent, you want to help them along. And so, one of the things I tell them is I want you to do three things I want you to love the Lord, I want you to love others, and I want you to work hard. It's that important, I think the ability to work hard, the ability to persevere, the ability to have focus and determination in the midst of obstacles, the, the ability to think about choices, difficult choices I need to make now so that life can be better tomorrow. And in fact, you think about the things that we do as followers of Jesus. You know, I tell you all the time, you need to Study your Bible. Right. Tie God's Word to your heart. You need to pray. There needs to be fasting. There needs to be, you need to be here. Spend time with other people. All of those things, these spiritual practices, you know what we call those? Spiritual disciplines. Why do we call them disciplines? Because they're hard work. you got to be focused. You know, if, if you do something religiously, it means you put forth concerted, focused effort that there was intention to do things a particular way and we need to right I mean if you want to be the sort of person that understands how God sees the world and how God wants you to see the world you you got to know your Bible well let me tell you a little bit about this book I mean it was It took fifteen hundred years to write. Over forty different authors in three different languages across three different continents from people of all sorts of walks of life. The latest book was, you know, written two thousand years ago. It's thick. There's a lot of things we don't understand. I mean, that's why we call it Bible study. It's because you have to study it. You have to take it slow. You have to ask a bunch of questions. It's not intuitive. It's 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 work you got to work at doing this. You want to be the sort of individual that sees the Spirit of God begin to transform your life? It takes work. It takes work yielding your life and obeying what the, the Lord has for you. You want to be an individual that really sees God move and is seeking what God wants? I mean, it takes work to dedicate time and prayer. It takes work to sort out your heart when you're, when you're fasting, when you're diligently like, Lord, reveal to me the things that I want you to, that you want to show me. It takes work. It takes work. Now, we're saved by grace through faith, right? We're, we're, we're not rescued because of our hard work at all. But God wants us to engage in hard work so that we might be formed more and more like his son. A verse I think about a lot is James 1.4. And it says this, Perseverance must finish its work so that you would be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In fact, the entirety of the Christian life, we need to take a focused look. We need to have perseverance, diligence, grit when we follow the Lord Jesus. And if we want a better tomorrow in our Christian life, it means making choices today. Last is drama, drama. If the first two were you hurting yourself economically, this last one is being the sort of person that hurts other people. And again, if you're going down that path for whatever reason, uh, destruction is at hand. And it comes kind of in two related ways. The first way, verse 15, calamity will come upon him suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. If you are a worthless person doing worthless person type things, you will reap what you sow. You reap the wind, you sow the whirlwind, you Live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. If you reap, if you sow certain behaviors, you will reap certain outcomes. And if you're a jerk to everybody, guess what? It'll roll back on you. The second is that we see that the Lord hates it. The Lord hates these things. And in using kind of a poetic, proverbial kind of um, a device we see that there are six things the lord hates wait no not six even seven that are an abomination to him intensifying the hatred of this and as we look here at the worthless person we see man it's just every part of him is doing something wrong let's just look here starting in verse 18 or starting verse uh, 17 i mean Haughty eyes, looking arrogantly at other people. A lying tongue, deceiving those that are around you. Hands that shed innocent blood. We think that's a quick way to solve a problem is just killing someone, getting them out of the way. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies even your lungs are doing what is wrong and one who sows discord among the brothers i'm sure as we say this we can relate to people that that do these kinds of things i i think there's several things here one is that this is a great list if you're wondering if a person is a person of integrity here we just have a seven-point checklist Do they do these things? They're not a person of integrity. They're they're a toxic person. And maybe this is a person I should avoid. Maybe this is a person I shouldn't follow. Maybe this is a person that I should be cautious as I spend time around them. But I think this list is rather interesting. These are the sorts of individuals that betrayed and killed our Lord. The plotting, the scheming, the lying, the deceiving, the desire to, to maintain their own power at all costs, even if it means standing opposed to what God is doing. And, and so when we look at the life of Jesus, we see in contrast here the life of those that wanted to destroy Jesus. And that brings us really to our own heart. That we're reminded that when we're surrounded by worthless people, the Lord is with us and the Lord is faithful. And there may be tough times, but He knows what it's like to be under attack by worthless people. It shows us the Lord's redemption. You know, we were worthless people. And instead of being destroyed, The goodness and grace of Jesus to us in the gospel came to us. Our eyes were opened and we saw that we needed help. We needed hope. Our trajectory was one of destruction. And yet, here the Lord is giving new life. We also see faithfulness now because maybe you look at this list and you're like, there's still a few things I do on here. I'm I'm not altogether not worthless according to this list. I'm, I'm not altogether innocent. And I need help. And we see the Lord's faithfulness in helping us to change who we are in order that more and more we might look like Him. And that's really what discipleship is. That's really what it means to follow Christ. is, is taking a step. You know, I, I told you to work hard, right? But, but maybe what you need to do is just work a little bit harder if you're struggling with hard work. You know, maybe you need to not take on so many of your friends' debts. Just, just maybe lessen the load. Maybe that's the step for you. Here too, maybe there's an area of this that the Lord wants you to take a particular step in. But just taking a step in your walk with Christ. I think that's what God calls us to. I remember doing a uh, Bible study at one of the super living houses. And there was a guy there and he was sharing his prayer request. And his prayer request is that God would give him enough strength to keep working. And this guy had been involved in drugs his whole life. He was 40 years old, so in and out of prison. And there he was, you know, trying to follow the Lord. There he was. He had a job. And it was hard for him. It was hard for him to even work 30 hours a week. And I think for some, we can say 30 hours a week. I haven't worked that, that few hours in a week since I've been in middle school. But that's not this guy's story. This guy's story has no work. And now suddenly he's 40 years old and he's trying to engage and just wants to take that step. And I want us to be a church that really does take people wherever they're at and helps them to grow into Christ's likeness. You know, good for him. Good for him. 30 hours. You know, pray, seek the Lord. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll get that to 35 and maybe we'll get it all the way to 40. Who knows? We know there's imbalances on the other end. But I want to be around people that want to do that with me. And I know that that you want to grow and be like Jesus as well. And so you need people around you that help you take that next step in growth so that your today and the choices you make will help you be better off tomorrow. As the worship team comes forward, I'd love to um, once again remind you, if there's something that we can do for you today... Um, just take a moment and fill out your Caring Connection card. Maybe there's a prayer request. If there, There's a spot here if you're interested in baptism. Maybe you want to know what it means to trust the Lord Jesus. Maybe you're eager to take a step and you don't know quite what that means. I would love to get to know um, and be able to help on any of those kinds of things. I'd like to invite us to a time of prayer. So if you would bow your heads. Heavenly Father, you have called us here as a church to make disciples of all the nations. And you want us to grow all the more into your own likeness that we would take on your character and your priorities. Lord, it's hard, so we pray that the Spirit would work. Give us the power that we need for transformation. And I just pray too for the parents that are out there working with their kids to help them to work hard. Some of the issues, Lord, are even deeper than, than just simply school or grades. It's issues regarding mental health, maybe bullies or rude friends at school, maybe just being around the wrong toxic friends, like getting sideways with those around us, other, other struggles that may be apparent. Lord, I pray that that we help them. We help them in those moments that we aren't discompassionate, and yet we help them to be able to stand on their own two feet and to grow. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that walks alongside others. Then us being a bright light here in our community, that we would demonstrate the goodness and grace that we've received from you. Lord, you took us right where we were at. You opened our eyes. You redeemed us. You saved us. We were these worthless people doing all of this with those seven body parts and even more. And yet you showed us love and care. And you're with us. You're with us. Lord, I pray that we would demonstrate that same love to those in this room and those outside these walls. Be gracious to us, O Lord, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by this week's message. And we invite you to join us every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. or 10 a.m. Have questions about what it means to know and follow Jesus? Simply email todd at ankenyfree.church. Thanks for listening.